Kia ora koutou listeners, welcome to Circuit Cast, discussion on moving image and art from Aotearoa, New Zealand and beyond. On this pod, it's back to critical panel time and in the lens is the City Gallery Wellington group exhibition, Demented Architecture. It's an exhibition that's bringing together artwork that satirises the relationship between art and architecture and the mythology of the architect. Well, that's their description. With us to provide some more and discuss the exhibition are our regular critics, Martin Patrick and Thompson Slay. Kia ora, Martin, Thompson. Kia ora. Hi. Demented Architecture. Now, the exhibition notes, note with this exhibition, artists despair when architects exhibit inside galleries and architects rise up when artists design buildings. It seemed to me that this was a show that was almost like artists getting their revenge on the architectural <laughs> profession. What do you think? Yeah, my feeling with the show that, that it really set up that dichotomy, this idea of artists as being potentially the sort of imaginative, that use lots of words like fantastical, utopian visions of built spaces. And then on the other side, there was the architect as a more kind of rational. I guess this was most specifically exemplified in the Henry Coombs video with this kind of male figure of the architect who uh, sort of devolves into this more anarchic face. It's even called I am the architect, yeah. this is not <laughs> happening, this is unacceptable, him and his bow tie. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I just felt like that sort of setup fell a little flat to me, I guess. I just didn't feel like I really bought into that sort of separation. I felt like it wasn't quite as black and white as that Henry Coombs work uh, was, perhaps. And so from that setup, I felt a little uneasy with the kind of way the curatorial premise was framing the works. Yeah, black and white, I agree with that. Martin? I would actually say that overall the exhibition has enough of a variety of artists and I think there's enough nuancing of some of those problematics and questions that I didn't really feel that it was that reductive. I felt it was more a provocation. I mean, I'm used to a lot of times in the past few years going in and seeing, say, a more kind of historically grounded exhibition on modernist New Zealand architecture as happened at the Adam a few years ago, or not so long ago at the City Gallery was a sort of valedictory exhibition on the late Ian Athfield. And those are all these very specific sort of historical and sometimes revisionist efforts. But in this particular one, I thought, you know, isn't all architecture demented in some ways because there's this premise of control over subjects within the built environment and artists also participate in that and there is a lot of blurring. I think there was a lot of material about control and relinquishing control even in domestic spaces as in the Brewster House of, built with no right angles in Taranaki which I just thought was one of the most interesting <laughs> things for me I guess because I like the vernacular culture of New Zealand and how it's often been underplayed as a really interesting thing here. I I just thought that it sort of treated architecture as suffering from some kind of dementia and it was almost did feel kind of oppositional like we've had all these shows which have been reverential towards the Athfields and so forth so let's kick back against that rather than entering into a real discussion like with the Yasmina Shabich work about the Slovenian state in terms of the relationship between art and architecture and political power. I wanted the kind of work that brought that into dialogue in New Zealand, like the work, say, around Athfield and Frank Gehry and the designs for Te Papa or Mladen Busimic's work that he's done um, that's in the Te Papa collection, work that really 
talked back and got a real discussion going between architects and artists. It felt like it was kind of going one way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I felt almost like when I left that the show was a medium-sized show that could have been a much bigger show or it could have been a much smaller show. For example, slightly more focused in having a series of work that were about how architecture has been deployed in the service of various different ideologies, as, for example, in the Yasmina Sibic work. That would have been really interesting, as you say, to kind of set up that conversation in more detail. Or it could have been just that much more expansive and maybe gone the way, as Martin's kind of said, just having a series of a bit more sort of heterogeneity and openness. But it just didn't feel like it quite had enough work to hit that curatorial note? Well, some of the works that were highlighted in, in say, the promotions or are the kind of crowd-pleasing works in some ways, like the Oliver Eliasson massive amount of white Legos. They bring in viewers, but they were least interesting to me. The Coombs work, I think, in a way, I mean, it's very polished, it's very humorous and satirical in a way, but it just seemed like this sort of comedic hybrid of Doctor Who and <laughs> yes, Chaplin's Who, Modern Times <laughs> and early David Lynch, but I thought Alice in Wonderland. a little bit light, a little bit light. But I think there is a one-sidedness to a kind of notion of treating architects as if they're essentially all ego and no id. And so then the artist is all id and all just sloppy everything. And that's a very uh, trite way of thinking about artists. But I think it's a knowing gesture. I think there was a lot of subtlety to some of the work as well. I mean, I really liked Kirsty Lillico's mm. work, especially when I realized that it's not absolutely critical of the brutalist modernism. She's actually quite interested in it, but also interested in how it's paralleled different uh, social and political things that have seemed so far off in the horizon, just like those buildings. So now. she's taking carpet mm. Some of it she's found near a skip in the studio. Some of the other, I think, it's carpet from the City Gallery, and she's been cutting in some of the floor plans from Le Cabousier's buildings. Yeah, and from the brutalist architecture in which she resides in Hataitai. So there's a lot of that around New Zealand, or I was recently down in Christchurch at the art school there, which is exemplary brutalist architecture. So we have a lot of that around here, but the transposition of it into the fabric of the carpet and then hanging it on the wall also references artists like Robert Morris in his late 1960s felt works, which were either strewn onto the floor or hung in different ways on the wall and then got sort of frozen once they were photographed into very particular exact ways of hanging them, almost contrary to the artist's intentions. There's something about that flexibility and malleability which is actually quite contrary to this uh, concrete architecture. Mm. But don't you think the show was generally critical of modernism versus this kind of celebration we've had of brutalism and so forth recently, and but at the same time not really offering anything else. I've been reading a lot of Owen Hathaway's writing recently. He was talking a lot about social housing and that history and, and a kind of sense of where to next. I mean, the Oliver Eliasson work where, where you sort of democratised architecture by allowing people to use white Lego blocks to build their own is, again, a kind of a criticism. But I'm kind of interested in why we're not being offered more future vision, I mm. guess. Yeah, I agree. I was 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that on the way here as well. I feel, as Martin said, there have been a series of shows quite recently about kind of, as you say, sort of unpacking the history of modernism and what that has meant to the way people's lives were kind of circumscribed and that old word that's played out, the utopian visions of the mid and early 20th century sort of left. But yeah, I was thinking it would be really great to see a show that unpacks like what it means to inhabit shiny, faceted, postmodern spaces. It would be quite timely to do that now, I think. But in some ways, the the kind of explorations that artists like Chibich are doing, it's exploring and kind of interrogating archival material. Like she reinterprets these now rather historical and ancient debates about the role of architecture, which sound kind of stilted and strange with a lot of hindsight, but were really pressing in their eras and particularly under ideological regimes of particular character and the alliance between the social goals, supposedly, and the architectural goals. But then her work also is resonant of a lot of artists recently who've been doing similar types of video reenactments, you know, like uh, Gerard Byrne from Ireland, who's made a lot of works around kind of discussions that the surrealists had or the minimalists had or a kind of querulous search for the Loch Ness Monster or um, there's a collective in the U.S., Our Literal Speed, that has done reconstructed debates between art historians like Rosalind Krauss and so forth and to kind of change the focus of that from like either the printed page or old magazines or old archives into these kind of very polished video works. I think there's a real interesting place for that work today. Well, I, I love those works. Maybe we should explain a little bit there. So these were created for the 2013 Venice Biennale for the Slovenian Pavilion and this kind of comment on Slovenian state architecture. So fruits of our land uh, it was a work I found I just really engrossing. Mm. And I've gone back to several times. Is it's based on a word-for-word translation of a parliamentary debate from 1953, which was set to decide which Slovenian artist should decorate the newly built People's Assembly in the then post-war socialist federative Republic of Slovenia. So this uh, really, really interesting debate that goes on between this representative group about an artist's work and this sort of strategic moving around the sort of the bureaucracy around the public art panel or the state panel about the place of the artist. Yeah, it was very funny that work I thought and I also really loved the actual architecture of the space in which it was filmed with the desks yeah. and like they had this really beautiful elegant arc to them and there's something quite mesmerising as well about as you say Martin, that restaging of texts, it's kind of like almost the actors are acting like they're as well, there's kind of a really like nice knowingness about their behaviour, which is quite yeah. fascinating to, to watch. But it's um, interesting that if you look at a lot of history of Central European conceptual practices, you have a lot of artists using similar kind of socially utopian languages, partly because at one time it was really important to veil any kind of political critique with more philosophical ways of writing. And then so just the mode in which some of those arguments are made and the kind of, but also the wit in which she's transposing that Mm. material into the current art context, I think is is quite interesting. And it's almost like a a literary strategy and, and also very cinematic, as you mentioned, because quite beautiful artworks to look at. Mm. But it's also notable, I think, that her work was represented in Venice Biennale, but 
those Biegnev Liberas Lego concentration camp was proposed for the Venice Biennale in the, for Poland in the late 90s, but one of the curators thought that it would aid and abet the notion that Poles are anti-Semites. So this was a very famous work where a concentration camp has been reconstructed from what pirate and police Lego. The story goes that he received patronage of a certain amount of Lego blocks to make an artwork, but didn't disclose what he was going to make with them. And so on the boxes of, I think, a a multiple of seven editions, it's sponsored by the Lego company, which is not something that they later wanted to have anything to do with and threatened a lawsuit. But it was also one of the works that was in a a large-scale show at the Jewish Museum in in 2002 called Mirroring Evil about contemporary artists dealing uh, with Nazi imagery in recent art. Mm. And that was quite a controversial show, partly because it was in New York at the Jewish Museum, and it was a much larger kind of exhibition. And that's one of the shows that brought a lot of attention to that work uh, internationally. So architecture world is dominated by men. And I thought what was interesting about this exhibition is the role that women play in in it, this very forceful role. There's the young journalist with the Slovenian architect. There is this woman, almost Eva Braun-like character in in the video with the bow-tied gent that we were talking about in that work by Harry Coombs. It's almost like the women are cuckolding these male architects. I don't know. It was... uh, I was interested if you had any thoughts or comments on that kind of gender I, I guess other women situation. who have, will have a part in the show as well, also the women who take part in of uh, licensed work. They're kind of participating and constructing and being part of the work too. I'd be interested to know the gender balance of people who got involved in the, the Lego construction. Um, well, there was a, a peculiar, I mean, peculiar because of its uh, anachronistic flavor, but a really interesting moment in the National Film Unit's quick uh, newsreel footage of the house constructed based on beehive construction and no no right angles, the Norian house from the 1950s. And then the announcer talks about how Brewster's partner, what is it to clean in a house with no right angles, you know, <laughs> this sort of thing. And so there's there are notions about domesticity in architecture that are also brought up. And I think in Kirstie Lilico's work also that one of the interesting contrasts with the way she's working with that architectural material is the notion that the credo of a lot of modernist artists and poets, and I think it was Ezra Pound who said, make it new. And then Kirstie scavenges carpet that's been disused or and discarded. So it's making something new but out of completely foraged and cast off materials and this the notion of making new versus a kind of overconsumptive world that's kind of depleted our resources is something that's a kind of undercurrent i mm. think and she's yeah. also reusing the floor plans of those works as well so kind of remixing and rehashing and reworking yeah. somebody else's work on top of that as well I really like those works. Also because I have like this quite personal relationship with that blue carpet from the City Gallery as well, having worked there. (laughs) It's always like an undulating um, ocean. It was very familiar, yeah. Oh, thank you, Thompson Martin. A very interesting exhibition, well worth seeing. That's CircuitCast for this episode. Thanks to you both. Demented Architecture is at City Gallery Wellington until the 8th of November. And this pod was brought to you by circuit.org.nz with the assistance of Creative New Zealand and music by Talautalon. Kia ora. Thanks.